Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, I'm Gabe. I'm Kelly. I'm Bashida. Did you guys watch the the votes yesterday? I kind of feel like it was like a TV show or something. They went like uh, 11 rounds of voting before uh, Ryan Smith got elected leader, uh, speaker of the so, House. I was like, so what are you stupid. guys talking about? <laughs> so, so yeah, I boring. seen your face. You're like, yeah. And, and, and that was probably their face as well. Uh, several of the legislators were like tweeting and me, on I Facebook want it, me, and <laughs> I want it. Me, vote for me. How many how many candidates for House were there? Four. Okay. Four candidates for the Speaker of the House. Three Republicans, one Democrat. Right. Yeah, it was an interesting showdown. Apparently, yeah. uh, embarrassing. It. So, so the the Ohio House hasn't been uh, with a proper speaker for two full months because the last yes. guy got investigated by the feds for improper campaign cash, whatever's with. Oh, was that? I thought it was something much more sinister. I mean, that's not great, but I right. thought it was yeah, something no. sinister. <laughs> right. And well, per, I mean, you know, having that the would be FBI a huge investigate <laughs> you, I guess, yeah. <laughs> right. Like they're, yeah. I'm being a reference for my friend for the FBI. I think I have a weird choice, but. Hello, FBI. How are you doing this today? Because I know you're looking all you can about me. You you are a weird choice. I know. Um, yeah, it's so like, they, oh, no, now they're looking at me. Damn it. So they, they had to get a new Speaker of the House. Um, four people threw their uh, names in the ring. Uh, traditionally, and I think this is... And duped st- it out, and no, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> I would... I think it's a stupid tradition, but the tradition is that the minority party normally votes for whoever is going to be the ultimate winner, and then they cast what's essentially a unanimous vote. Everybody right. loves the speaker. That's dumb. Yeah, and uh, clearly and so, it did not work. Yeah, there so this... <laughs> no one likes anybody in the Ohio House. This time, the Democrats said, no, we're not going to do that, and nearly all of them voted for the Democratic leader, Fred Strayhorn, who's Correct. a terrific state representative. He's a yes. delight. Yes. And so then there was a split within the Republican caucus and who they, are supposed to be the supermajority. Yeah. <laughs> could not get together a, a proper majority of votes because they needed 50% plus one. Uh, and, and the guy who uh, was the front runner couldn't get that. And so, yeah, it was an interesting thing that <laughs> I, I don't know what to say anymore. I think more and more we're seeing, um, things happen in the, the state house that are, What's what I'm looking for? Depressing? Chaotic? Uh, all of the above. <laughs> <sighs> just make Unusual, it, just make to say the least, you know? So, At what right. point are we just going to be like, yeah, that's about what I expected from the State House? Like, when I will we lose probably that idealism? at that point now. Th- through 10 rounds of voting. Yeah, yesterday. exactly. And then having this Trump administration, I think we're at that point. Right. I wonder how many, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the two-party system, and I believe in, like, ranked voting, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get too in-depth in that. But, like, <laughs> how many different factions of the Republican Party do you think we have in the Ohio State House right now? Two. Just two? <laughs> so we have, what, three and a half parties? <laughs> well, so yesterday it was most of the Republicans voted for Ryan Smith, who did Correct. ultimately win it. But he could only get 44 votes, and he needed 50 
to to win it as a constitutional majority. And the yes. the way the Ohio House is structured is if you do 10 votes and nobody gets a proper majority, then on the 11th ballot, whoever just happens to have the most wins it. And so that's what they did. So they had to actually stand there and and because it's not a yes or no vote, like when they normally vote on a bill, they just ding, everybody pushes a button, and the votes are counted right. instantly. This, they had to do a 99-person roll call. Yes, each and every time. Ten times before they could finally then do an 11th one. I don't know why they didn't just say, hey, let's change the rules, skip yeah. votes 2 through 10, and jump straight to vote 11. Because we have a sense of decorum in the Ohio House. Right. No, but don't. But no, some, Republicans, <laughs> some Repu- Republicans uh, centered around Andy Thompson, who is kind of the, he's the Trump-style far-right-wing, you know, Christina Hagan nominated him, Naraj Antani stood with him. We used to have Those Tea Party people, Republicans, and now we have Trump Republicans. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. And, What's and, the difference? Uh, Name? <laughs> Yeah, uh, how it's, maybe it's the, extreme you are. I don't know. How, how many people are writing dissertations about this? Because I want to read them and get real tired after I read them. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, the same split exists in Congress because you've got the the John Boehner, Paul Ryan people and the then moderates, the, right? The, <laughs> the the incredibly racist, horribly. Uh, you have you the know. outright racist and you have like the behind closed doors racist. That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. And so then, you know, <laughs> it, in, in Ohio, we had John Boehner and, and we still have his, you know, establishment Republicans. But then you've got Jim Jordan, Congressman Jordan, who who essentially helped force Boehner out. Did and, you know we, we have, have that same split? We have six white nationalists running for office right now in the United States. Open white nationalists. Oh, and one who's a pedophile. One, ooh, and, I don't like talking um, about that story. That, yeah. was, that was upsetting. Admitted to ripen his uh, now deceased wife. Yes. Very sickening. Yes. It's not pleasant. Not no. at all. Yeah, I literally could not make it through that article. Like, I just uh, was like... I was like, is, wow, this is this story is way worse than the headline. And the headline's yes, not great. absolutely. Yeah. Very disturbing. To so I recommend least. not searching that out for anyone listening. Don't do it. I mean, you just if you keep up with the news like we do, though, like, you Ugh, just can't help yeah. but to run into it and... And it's actually something that we probably need to know, for, especially for those of us with kids. Like, you need to know, like, people, we already know people like this exist, but, like, now they're trying to actually take office. And He's defending pedophilia by saying that people aren't pedophiles because of the being politically correct. In case somebody missed the transition point in this conversation. <laughs> Sorry. We're no longer talking about the Ohio legislature. <laughs> I mean, we hope not, but who can Canada say? Yeah, nowadays you can't. But... but but yeah, that there's you know there's definitely a a disgusting faction of the Republican Party. Yeah, with and, young. Yeah, and kids. and and the establishment is is racist and gross. But then there's also speaking this of right wing. You see, Roy uh, Moore's wife ran and lost. Oh, I didn't. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm trying to I have to think back to what she actually ran for because I just kind of skimmed the article. Didn't really care. I was just like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Glad you lost. Bye. Um, Bye-bye. But, you know, yeah. It's it's disturbing. I wonder how many of like these behind-closed-doors racists would be open racists if it weren't for uh, Lee Atwater and his Southern strategy. I don't know. Roy Moore's wife... I've uh, got feelings about that. Her name is Kayla uh, Moore, and she lost a bid for the state Republican Executive Committee in Alabama. 
So, you know, at least some people are rejecting this extreme, yeah. ex- extreme extremism. Even in Alabama. Um, hey, don't say even in Alabama as if it's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> there are some good people doing good yeah, work there. Yeah, they are. They are. And then there's some other people who actually voted for these morons. And you're just I mean, like, yeah. okay. But that's, uh, that could be said about Ohio, too. Sure there's, enough. <laughs> there's, some, there's some good people doing good work here in the state of Ohio. Uh, and so yesterday we got to see the return. Do-do-do. Uh, How many times? First, many times. Um, <laughs> so many times. Prevention hey, first don't legislation. give up. Like, that's the thing. Don't give up, right? Yeah. They don't. <laughs> no, that's true. As it stands, right. Uh, <laughs> as it stands, uh, prevention first. This is, it's been introduced um, now for over a decade, and this is a, yes. it's a comprehensive sex education bill. Um, as it stands, the state of Ohio does not have mandatory sex ed or any kind of sex ed standards at the state level. So it's usually up to the district, which is to say that some districts it's great and some districts it's real bad. And your children can be lied to. And if you're not a parent who feels comfortable talking to your kids about this stuff, then they're just not going to have the knowledge. So yeah, uh, honestly... It needs to be done. Yeah, this is uh, one of those loopholes that allows like uh, abstinence only and like crisis pregnancy centers to get into schools because it's set by the school board. So if you're just like, I'm not paying attention to the school board because who cares about local politics? Uh, A, let's have a conversation about that. Uh, (laughs) And B, you should care. Right. Um, So like... You, I mean, if if your if your high school does or middle school does sex education, you need to look into those standards and see who's doing those. And if it's not yeah. somebody you want to be teaching your kids, then you need to show the f up to the school board meetings and raise hell. Right. Yeah. This is this is a problem that can be solved at two levels, like yes. you said. That local involvement is really the easiest way, mm-hmm. but it doesn't solve things for everybody. So yeah. uh, Representative Nikki Antonio uh, and Representative Michelle Lepore Hagen have introduced. Uh, House Bill 248. Uh, 248 is a Prevention First Act. I'm just going to read the little explainer here. Um, It says, This bill includes creating comprehensive sexual health and sexually transmitted infection education in schools, providing certain hospital and pregnancy prevention services for victims of sexual assault, and coverage for prescription contraceptive drugs and devices. So... It's it's this is uh, a true prevention first act. It's, Absolutely, uh, it it focuses on sex education for kids, comprehensive sex education, uh, age appropriate comprehensive right. sex education for uh, for students. So um, let's let's delve a little bit into that. What does age appropriate sex education look like? Well, uh, you know, when I was in college, that was really the first time when I got a comprehensive sex education program. Oh, wow. That's embarrassing. Um, yeah. 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 Our, our, uh, our public school district in my hometown did a decent job of, uh, of providing sex education, you know, anatomy, different mm-hmm. types of sexually transmitted diseases, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, we did not learn, uh, birth control. You know, there right. was no, here's a condom, here's mm-hmm. how a condom goes on, that sort of thing. Um, and so when I came to Ohio State, it was a mandatory part of the freshman orientation. Uh, there was a, a freshman in class. College. In yeah, college. In college, where, where they did, you right. know, this is how the condom goes on. This is where you get birth control on campus. And most of you guys stuff. are probably way past that in your life, but I mean, hey. Age-appropriate sex ed really should begin at a much younger age. I mean, kindergartners yeah. should be having the conversation about good touch, bad touch. Not Yeah, like, I have that with my yeah. kids now. My four-year-old and my seven-year-old been doing it with my seven, mm-hmm. four, seven-year-old since she was right. like three or four. Like, you hey, need to have, this like, is, you know, you, people don't touch you here. You, you know what I mean? Like, this is... 
Right. Yeah, that's what I would deem age the appropriate. Yeah, yeah, give them the foundations of like the the conversation of consent to like, yes, I yeah. will hug you. No, I won't hug you. Like, right. Basically, just nothing that's like, here's what sex is at five, but like, well, just yeah, like no. an understanding. <laughs> of, and they're just going right. to look at you like you're crazy, anyways. Yeah. But then yeah. they start asking questions, you know, hey, where do babies come from? I'm sure right. your, your kids have probably asked that. Yes. Mine has, my yes. daughter. <laughs> yeah. I first got like a little overview of sex ed in fifth grade, and it was, it was puberty, and it was too late for me. <laughs> I, right. I started my period at the beginning of fifth grade and didn't get sex ed about it until, until like six Steps. months later. And I was like, oh, that would have been nice to know because I was terrifying yeah right the lesson that i got in college would have been age appropriate in at, at what 15 in, in yeah in, yeah in really you know could have been middle school junior high yeah, uh, i agree with absolutely that. would have been age appropriate a lot sooner you know, freshman year in high school yeah um but but people hear sex ed and and comprehensive sex ed and they're teaching condoms and all of that and they make that false assumption that you just illustrated mm-hmm. the the age appropriate sex education can be taught at ev- any level mm-hmm. right absolutely age appropriately and it right. starts with teaching just you know kindergartners you know exactly. don't hug your friend if they don't want to be hugged exactly don't that's force it or so hug on them that's yes. that's the whole <laughs> kindergarten appropriate lesson it's yeah. just you know we keep our hands to ourselves mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if somebody does something that makes you uncomfortable, you go and tell a trusted adult. Exactly. That's the whole age appropriate lesson for kindergartners. Right. And, but the and, earlier it starts, the better and the more important, you know, they yeah. learn to It should to be remember a that. seamless conversation from age four to age 18 and longer, actually. Like, I think sex ed should go into college and young adulthood. Yeah. Or even like late adulthood. I have feelings about this. We can talk about our whole lives, lives yeah. program for the Unitarian <laughs> Universalists. It's great. Uh, so in addition to, uh, age appropriate comprehensive sex education, um, this also, uh, we said provides certain hospital and pregnancy prevention services for victims of sexual assault. What that is, uh, I know because we've had this specific idea as past legislation in past general assemblies, uh, Ohio hospitals don't have to provide, uh, emergency contraception in emergency rooms for rape victims. If they don't have to, or right. they're prevented from doing. If so. you're if you're a survivor of rape and you walk into some ERs and say, "Hey, I need emergency contraception. I've been raped," the hospital doesn't have to provide it to you. And there are some ERs that won't because like Catholic hospitals. It's right. a Catholic hospital, exactly. and they they erroneously feel that emergency contraception which is just birth control pills at a higher dosage, is somehow equivalent to abortion medication, which it is not at all. Right. So we don't have EC in the ER. Boo! Yeah. And this bill fixes that. Yes. So hopefully this bill will get through, pass, um, or at least least, get a second hearing. Yeah. A second hearing... Would be progress. Yes. It would be. And that was something that was brought up by the bill sponsors is whenever they've brought this forward, uh, specifically the uh, Catholic Conference of Bishops, I've said that backwards or something, but <laughs> but basically uh, the, the Catholic Church's lobbying wing stands against this legislation. Uh, and even though Ohio Right to Life says that they don't take a position on birth control access, they actually do. And they I was going to say they too. really do. Yeah. So yeah, they'll lobby behind the scenes against this. So Absolutely. this prevention first legislation does have significant political opposition within the state house. It was uh, Representative Duffy that brought up that he would be interested in helping facilitate the conversation with the Catholic 
conference of bishops or whatever. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I think this bill could very well have bipartisan support. It should have bipartisan support. Um, it should have unanimous support. Exactly. I mean, yes, but... <laughs> like, we're all, you know... But it doesn't. No. Understand the importance of just having, you know, this stuff available and teaching your children. And I don't understand, but hey. I mean, I understand, but also, like, why? <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is. Um, this wasn't the only bill we saw uh, getting a little bit of attention in the committee process this week. Oh, yeah. Um, Senate Bill 145, the Our abortion method ban. Yep. Um, it got amended. What did the amendments, uh, I, they didn't even go into the amendments. They just like, here's our amendment, and they didn't expound upon it. So what are the actual amendments for this bill? Uh, the, uh, the abortion method ban, so it bans the safest and most commonly performed second trimester abortion procedure. Yes. Your alternatives uh, are ho- prenatal hospice yeah. or labor. Uh, so the way the bill was written, uh, the, the experts that we rely on said, hey, wait a minute, this would interfere with miscarriage management. So women who had lost a pregnancy but had not yet delivered a stillborn fetus would not be able to access care through their medical provider uh, because of the way that the bill was written. And so what they did is they, that was, that was not the intent of the bill sponsor. I think both sides are in agreement about that. Um, you know, we definitely were raising alarms about that, but we know that Senate Bill 145 is meant to be an abortion ban. Right. It, it blocks women's access to a safe, legal, and constitutionally protected medical procedure. It's an unconstitutional Absolutely. abortion ban. And so what they did is they clarified and said, no, no, this bill will not interfere with miscarriage management. And so I think it's safe to say both sides are in agreement that that wasn't the intent, and now the bill doesn't do that. It still it's sucks. still an unconstitutional <laughs> abortion ban. It's a terrible piece of legislation. Yes. The fact that they're amending it to fix that... Trying to clean that up. ...means that we might see this bill pass out of the House. It's a Senate bill. It already passed the Senate. So if it passes the House, this will go to Governor Kasich's Kasich, desk. Exactly. And... It doesn't have an exception for rape or incest. Again, like many he, of them don't. Right. He Do said any that, bills that are like current, like any restrictions currently mm, passed have the rape or incest restrictions uh, that you claim they suppo- they're supposed to have? No, they, they never include them. And Ohio yeah. Right to Life has said that any candidate who insists upon them will not get their endorsement. So Republicans, if they said, hey, wait a minute, How we want evil. this, would lose this. And, the, and, and Kasich has said that he, he wants to see exceptions for rape or incest. And that was his excuse for vetoing the six-week ban. But right. the same day he vetoed that, he signed the 20-week ban, right. which did not have exceptions for rape or incest. Exactly so Kasich's talked about both like sides that. of his mouth. Right. And this bill, you know, doesn't have that. It's it's a horrific bill, which that, would do, you know, unspeakably evil things yeah. to women who need care in yeah. the second trimester. That reminds me that the total abortion ban got assigned to committee, didn't it? It did. Uh, so, you know, there's... Actions on two unconstitutional abortion bans that if if the How Republican far? Party wants to unify itself, <laughs> they might try, you know, moving one of these. How far has the total ban gone in committee and or being passed before? Uh, the total abortion ban, it's a House bill. It has not yet this had a committee hearing. Is it, oh, cool. Right? <laughs> yeah, so we yeah. might see... Uh, we might see the bill sponsors. Um, I think that's Ron Hood and Nina Vitale. Yes. Hey, everybody! On that. Have you uh, have you registered to vote? 
Have you uh, updated your registration since you moved last? Let's uh, make sure we do that. You can now do that online. Yeah. Yes. Very convenient. Please and thank you. Right. Uh, and then vote for Kathleen Clyde because she'll make all the... Uh, make it even easier. Maybe we'll yes. get same-day registration like yes. they have in California. Right. Um, yeah. So so these, you know, one, one good bill, one bad bill uh, getting hearings this week. Yay. I know. Maybe a little, it's a little bit of a balance there. We shall see how things turn out. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's a balance. No. <laughs> Not a balance I'm interested in. Uh, so this week, um, in, in other Ohio reproductive health news, uh, an organization called the Campaign for Accountability, it's a nonpartisan, nonprofit watchdog group focused on public accountability. Uh, they called on Ohio Attorney General Mike DeWine uh, to investigate two crisis pregnancy centers, the Elizabeth New Life Center and Heartbeat of Toledo. Um, for engaging in deceptive business practices in violation of Ohio's Consumer Sales Protection Act. So basically this group, which is not a reproductive health care, we've never... I've um, never heard of them. I was looking over yeah. their website and I don't think... Yeah. I, I've seen like other things about like Capitol Hill condo parties <laughs> and like something to do with rooftop solar. So I think like it's a, it's a general purpose watchdog to see like where malfeasance is happening. They're not right. specifically going after like women's health or like fake clinics it's just they but malfeasance is here yeah yeah it is <laughs> cpcs uh yeah so-called crisis pregnancy centers they're really fake women's health centers um they set up shop close to abortion clinics to try and lure patients away from abortion clinics um be it similar marketing to the planned parenthood um, yeah, I think there's like one in Massachusetts. It's like right next to the Planned Parenthood and it's called problem pregnancy. So they get to have that PP logo too. Yeah. Um, and like, they don't have any actual medical staff on pr- the premises, but like they provide ultrasounds just for fun. They're not diagnostic, diagnostical, um, ultrasounds, but if you don't know, don't know this and you're going into the, they're going to be like, Oh, you're 12 weeks along. You're too late for an abortion. And you're actually like five weeks along. Right. Um, they don't have a qualified person reading it, so they can't tell you what it says. Yeah. And like, sometimes like the ultrasound will be like, don't kill me, mommy. Like they're like, they're big on the guilt and they're big on like, you know, just straight up lying to you. And Ohio is not, um, you know, immune from this. In fact, we, at the state level, fund them up to a million dollars, what, annually? Biannually? Uh, Biannually. Half a million a year, plus they get um, money from uh, license plates. If you pick a Choose Life license plate. Please don't. (laughs) Uh, And if your school district contracts with the CPC for absence-only programs, uh, then they get cash for that, too. Yay. So this organization is uh, calling on Mike DeWine, who is vehemently pro-life, to do some... choice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, to uh, do research into these CPCs and their malfeasance and their, you know, deliberate deception. But uh, we'll see if that actually happens, since that's not really his jam. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, more than, I think, just do research into them... Uh, you know, in, enforce the law that yeah. says, "Hey, don't lie to people. You you can't have businesses engaging in deceitful behavior. Right, absolutely, <laughs> is it against the law to lie to people? Uh, in in this way, as as a business, as yes. a business, yeah. uh, especially when you get into the funding. Um, How many of these CPCs are like nonprofits versus like actual businesses? 
can nonprofits lie to people? Is that going to be their loop or, like loophole? I I believe they're all listed as nonprofits. Okay. Uh, I don't think that changes um, changes their their requirements. Uh, but you know, it's uh, you're you're engaging in unfair and deceptive tactics. Yeah. Um, that's what uh, the um, that's what the law says. Um, the uh, Consumer Sales Protection Act um, says you you know if if you're if you're listed as a a for profit or a non profit business, you're not allowed to deceive people. Um, this is interesting because it'll be um, kind of not necessarily like a. A workaround, but I'm thinking about like the Fact Act in California and Becerra versus Niflo. Like, the decision should be coming down what this month. Yes, um, and that like that act specifically outlaws medical centers from lying to people in California, and mm-hmm. it's being challenged at the Supreme Court as to whether or not that's a legal thing. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering like if that comes down with an outcome that we don't want, if we can enforce it elsewhere. Um, I am not a lawyer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're right, is that that creates a legal precedent that, that we can use. Um, the Campaign for Accountability says that the uh, the law prohibits businesses from engaging in unfair and deceptive tacti- tactics based on their misleading marketing, based on the crisis pregnancy centers, misleading marketing materials, websites, grant applications, and the strategic location of their offices. It is apparent that these two facilities... Uh, are engaging in deceptive practices in violation of the law. I wonder why these two specifically and not, uh, I don't know, Kinder Women's Health Center. Uh, it it could be that they just had like the most blatant examples that, okay. you know, are, are uh, most obviously making the the point. So I'm, I'm interested to see like if we don't get the outcome we want with Nifla versus Viserra, if we can use this this as the legal argument against them. I don't know the answer to that. I don't either. Yeah. I don't but, I'm just, I'm just interested but, in what the answer would be. Yeah. Uh, but this is a complaint filed not against Mike DeWayne, but with him because he's the attorney general saying, hey, Mr. Attorney General, why don't to you do your job? job. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. This will be interesting to follow. Yes, absolutely. Right. So um, we'll put the link to this announcement by the Campaign for Accountability uh, in the show notes. So, uh, last week we talked about presidential pardons. Um, Trump said he could pardon himself. That's not legal. (laughs) Yeah, you probably shouldn't. No, I mean, I I think there's like actually legal precedent from 1947 that you can't pardon yourself as president. Yes. (laughs) He will probably still try, but you know, this is what we have to deal with now. (laughs) At what point is like, is the legal system, question mark, going to enforce what it right. says. Is, I don't understand what's happening in our country. <laughs> I, yeah, it's so hard to actually sit, sit back and have to watch this and just like, oh. Who let this happen? Right. Who's in charge here? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Donald Trump. Oh, no. <laughs> um, uh, but he, he did uh, issue a, pardons, uh, a pardon for Alice Marie Johnson. Yes. Uh, which which we talked about yesterday. last week. Yesterday. And I don't know if you guys seen any of the videos, but it was just heartbreaking at the same time. Very, it was bittersweet, you know, just to see her being reunited with her family. She's like, I haven't been in a car without handcuffs in almost 22 years. Wow. Like, it's just like, this is somebody who did not murder somebody, you know, like, right. This is just crazy. So, um, 
I think what's especially frustrating about this is he didn't do it because he feels like she should. Oh, have because been he's pardoned. a good person. No, yeah. I mean, if you, it's like it's like you're working with a six year old on Kohlberg's moral theory. Like you do it because you get the accolades for having done it, it not because you exactly. feel like you should do it. That's exactly right. Right. You know, just casually dropping some psychology in the box. Hello, what's up? <laughs> um, uh, Ms. Johnson uh, had been 21 years into a life sentence. Uh, For can- a nonviolent first-time drug offense. Yeah. Um, which is is just, like, the most puzzling thing. Yeah, so- and we all know how we feel about our grandmothers. So, like, yeah, you know, right. this is a grandmother who made a mistake. And I want to fight not- my grandma. But I did not have those feelings, but okay. <laughs> it's a long story. I, I, I remember you telling me about it. Um, uh, so Kim Kardashian West uh, had, had asked President Trump for this pardon specifically, yes. and it was granted. And, and you know, somebody was on yeah. Twitter saying, hey, maybe the solution is just to send Kim Kardashian into the Oval Office. I know, right? A I wonder, list of things. Yeah, let's like, just like rally. That apparently is what works. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> let's rally up our reality TV stars. and Exactly. Why not? This appeals to our... The president. Yeah, you know, if... Pendulette, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> if it's the craziest way of getting a good outcome... Right. Should we just accept the crazy... Sometimes you have to... Uh, sometimes you have to meet people where they are. So, like, in this instance, that's you know, what's happening. I really wouldn't be surprised if, like, if he ever... If, if he's elected a second term, if we'll just turn it into a reality TV show. I'm moving. <laughs> Out of the country. <clears throat> I'm going to move to Ireland and do abortion access organizing there. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Doesn't sound like the worst idea. Right? <laughs> um, so, you know, we we definitely do uh, applaud this pardon. Yes. <laughs> this pardon specifically. Yes. Nothing else he does. Not as, not as other pardons. No. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, should we talk about pride festivals? We got pride festivals coming up. Sure. We have three this weekend and it's all rural prides. Two out of three are their first year. One of them is their second year. That's uh, really exciting for new pride festivals yeah, to be happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be in Newark. Ohio on Saturday. I'll be in Athens on Sunday. And Athens is actually going all week. I'm just only able to go on Sunday. And then Zanesville on Monday night. So Interesting. So they're not only like new prides, but they're rural prides. I can't say that word. Rural, rural prides. <laughs> so it's really exciting. Um, I am excited to go out to these towns. That I've actually never been to Newark or Zanesville. So it'll be a good time. I they're, hope. They're very, you know, nice picturesque little towns um you make know, it gay yeah r- rural ohio <laughs> is is you know fairly conservative right very christian um and to to have pride festivals existing throughout deal. rural ohio is yeah. is terrific yeah i'm really i'm really proud that they're able to do this i mean it's actually been an interesting year because columbus indiana also had their first pride this year that's the hometown of mike pence um, there's a comedy show I next. Heard that. Yeah, there's yeah. a comedy show next Tuesday that's actually going to like raise money to benefit Columbus, Indiana's pride. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that all of us are flourishing, but we're certainly building our communities and making them stronger and making them louder. Because if you're not going to listen to reason, we're going to make you listen otherwise. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so those are the the, the rural ones. You mm-hmm. could you could stage a production of the rural juror. Mm. Anybody? Yeah. No, I yeah. I know that. <laughs> Pop culture reference, the game and I both understand. It's only 10 years old. Rural so, uh, uh And then in Columbus, uh, we're participating in the Columbus Community 
Pride. Yes, which is festival. this is the first year it's um, been put on. It's put on by Black Queer Intersectional Columbus. It's a pride that focuses on queer, trans, and intersex persons of color. Um, so that's really exciting. Uh, yes. it's, it's like we're focusing on marginalized communities, people that aren't necessarily like the focus of traditional prides. Right. Um, it's going to be at Mamie Moore. I think I'm pronouncing that Mamie Moore Park, um, yes. in the, <laughs> uh, Lincoln, Bront, Lincoln, King Lincoln. King, yeah. District. King's arts complex. Yeah. Like in that area it's over there. As I point to like a behind her office. Details in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been to Mamie Moore Park, so I'm excited. And it's we're going to be sharing a table with Planned Parenthood, so it'll be we'll be talking about Title Ten and stuff going on there. Um, and it'll be really great. I'm looking forward to it. Right. Um, so yeah, this is the first year it's happening. It's an alternative to Stonewall Columbus Pride, uh, which we will not be at this year. Right. So it'll be fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's an alternative uh, lifting up a community that's been uh, systematically ignored. Let's yes. be real. <laughs> I, I I didn't want to use the word excluded because that sort of implies intention, but yeah, you know it's it's the result. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was really obvious last year during the parade uh, when you know the black, black and, and transgender yeah, yeah uh, individuals tried to raise this issue during the parade. Right. It was following the Philando Castile verdict, and they were hoping to like have a, a silent protest, yeah, silent protest at the end of the Stonewall Columbus parade. And we're immediately attacked by the police. Yeah. So, um, which you know, just kind of like emphasizes their point is that black trans people of color are, <laughs> you know, systematically targeted by the police. Right. And, you know, this, this was the situation that I think initially for many, you know, for myself was kind of puzzling. And it's like, what is this happening? Why is this happening during the parade? And then it was explained. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, but then it continued because the Black Pride Four were still in jail and facing charges. charges. Mm-hmm. And there was a really obvious, easy solution of asking the prosecutor to drop the charges and say, right. hey, you know, this stemmed from a, you know, a well-intentioned point. Right. Uh, it was a bit of a misunderstanding. You can say that it's a bit of a misunderstanding. Charges should be dropped. I, I think for most of the Columbus community watching, once you get to the point where the charges had not been dropped, that was the point when a lot of people said, hey, wait a minute, this is a yeah. lot of bullshit. Yeah. And, and yeah. we should be, you know, we should not have these people be facing legal charges for what happened. Exactly. No. How you felt about them taking, you know, what they did at the time continuing to press charges and for Stonewall to, to not be vocal stay about saying, Hey, drop exactly. the charges. Not only like didn't stay like, did, like not only stayed silence, but then like testified against them in court. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's not a good look where, you know, even for me who kind of looked at the initial thing, just with a little bit of, you know, lack of understanding. Once I got to the point about, Hey, we haven't dropped the charges yet. And Oh yeah, they're actually going to prosecute these people. That's one yeah, exactly. It, it, was, it really sort of became, you know, an, an infuriating situation. Yeah. Um, and so stemming from that last year, uh, I think, was was really the impetus to, to create this alternative festival. So Absolutely. inaugural year for this. We're very proud to support them. Absolutely. Um, it's really exciting to be able to talk to new communities, kind of branch out of what we normally do, and yeah, just, like, support new organizations and new work. Right. So, uh, rural, uh, <laughs> yeah. the rural we, gays, we, yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> the rural gays, and then like the people of color. It'll be great. Yes. 
Um, if, if you are in the state of Ohio uh, celebrating sexual freedom in the month of June, yes, we are with you. We love um, you. And then uh, you're, you're wrapping up the, the Pride Tour with Cincinnati. Yes, I'll be in Cincinnati the 24th. Nope, just kidding, the 23rd of June. <laughs> um, that'll be the same weekend of Compost. I don't know if you guys have realized this, but June is going to kill me. <laughs> Yes. Yes. You will need a break. (laughs) Usually, I'm going to take the first half of July. Nobody talked to me. Yeah. Yeah. Vashita at the end of June last year was just like, I'm not doing this again. Yeah, exactly. I would have loved crawling. I would have out of the month of June. (laughs) I would have loved for you guys to have hired me last June. I was off like I was going to work all the prides while very pregnant. Glad I didn't have to. Right. That would have been a very hard and hot trying time for you. Right. Uh, and you mentioned ComFest. Um, we put out a request for people to volunteer in our booth, uh, the Freedom of Choice Ohio booth at ComFest. All of those slots are full. We had a ton of volunteers. Hell yeah. Sweet. Um, also you... really exciting stuff that weekend. Lady Parts Justice is going to be in Columbus that weekend. They have a Woo-hoo! they have a talk at the Solar Tent at like 5.15 that Saturday. And then they'll be... At ComFest. Yes, at ComFest. <laughs> and then on Sunday, they'll be at Ace of Cups. There's going to be a comedy show followed by a talk back with uh, some local activists and organizers, which I think includes me. <laughs> right. So ComFest has kind of been wrapping up earlier and earlier in the evening every year. So uh, if you're there on Sunday and then you want to do something different and fun, uh, head up High Street to Ace of Cups uh, in Clintonville and catch their show. Yeah. June's um, going to be a month full of like, just come hang out with me, come table. It'll be a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. So far, we've been having a lot of amazing volunteer sign-ups. Yeah, I've been extremely excited. So, Right. So, lots of stuff going on. Okay. Sounds good. We'll talk to everybody next week. Yay. Bye. Bye.